Well, good morning. So, if if you know about the story, if you if you think if you uh, you know the story before you were age ten, can you put your hands up? Anyone who doesn't know what the story is about? Okay, I guess we can have a chat and the rest of you can maybe take the computer and go home. <laughs> the preach is done. Well, <laughs> we are going through, a book, through the book of um, Daniel, and we are in chapter 3 today. And we're going to look at the story of Daniel's friends and the story of their faithfulness while they are in Babylon. The story so far, we, we see Daniel and his friends being captured from Jerusalem and being t- taken to the uh, big, by, by Nebuchadnezzar, the big king, the Babylonian king. He conquers uh, Jerusalem and takes people in exile. And they're made to, make, uh, made to learn their language, culture, and if you're thinking it is if you think it, it would be anything like going to SFE, learning Swedish, it is not. It's like they're being made to learn the language of their captors, um, the people who destroyed their cities, their families. And, and they do that in, in, uh, in a really good way. Like, and they end up top of the class um, in, in, in their studies. They, are, they, 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 they graduate with gold medals, if you could say. But they... They, they decide in their hearts that some things we wouldn't do. We would not defile ourselves. We'll keep ourselves for our God. And in that journey, they take some steps. In, in chapter 1, we saw that they wouldn't eat the king's food because they thought that would defile them. And here's another story where they take a stand, a strong, strong and a firm one, so that they don't defile themselves and they stay faithful to their God and King. Before we read the passage, um, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we, we come before you with a heart to listen. This is a familiar story, but we pray that you would speak to us fresh. Help us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Reading from verse 1 of chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles, or it, it'll be on the screen otherwise. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial, provincial, provincial <laughs> officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. So the event seems to be a grand one. See the reputation of the big people coming to this event. And Later on, we would again hear the repetition of the musical instruments and 
it's a grand function, basically. That's what it means to, uh, the text means to say. End of last chapter, if you would remember, Daniel and his friends, um, they end up top of the class, they are appointed in big positions, they're given responsibilities in, uh, in, in big, uh, as big government officials. And they are sent out to the province of Babylon. And here, it looks like they're being called back because um, the king wants them to attend this big function of dedicating this gold statue. And if you remember, um, I uh, mentioning around this time, Jeremiah sends a letter to the exiles saying, guys, settle on. It's, it's going to be a long while before you're back. Build families, build gardens, build your homes there. Be, uh, be successful there. And in turn, that's what they do. Uh, we can imagine by now if they would have had families and and I'm, I'm kind of imagining the conversations they would have uh, in their homes um, with their wives and children. Oh, we, we, we are being called for the dedication of this big statue. And I'm sure the, the king would ask us to bow down and can you feel tension before they head out to this big event that the king puts up. So here they are. Here, here they are. Um, they come to this big grand ceremony. Continuing from verse 4, then the herald lo loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever it does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to, the, to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But they but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image, you, image of gold you set up. Interesting, isn't it? Probably it, it's... It's Daniel and his friends who saved the necks of these guys in the last chapter, and they're turning against them here. And can you imagine what's going on in their minds um, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they go through this? They're reminded of the covenant they have with God, and if you remember uh, the origin series from Genesis we had, they would remember the scripture with God saying, Oh, let us make man in our own image. 
in our likeness, and they would remind themselves, we are made in the image of God, and we are not supposed to bow down before an image that someone or a human makes. And they would be reminded about the Ten Commandments that Moses was given. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. And you can see the tension here. They want to stay faithful to God. But the king is saying, no, you have to. This is my kingdom. Let's continue reading the story. Verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you did not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? Rescue you from my hand. They know he means business. He's the one who destroyed their cities and their families. And listen to the response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If you are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. What response? I'm reminded of Peter when he writes to the exile or exiles, or as he calls the persecuted Christians in first centuries. He tells them, in your hearts, honor God or honor Jesus as Christ, as the Lord, and be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. And do this with gentleness and respect. Can you see this in action? in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They affirm in their answer, but they do, do that with gentleness and respect. We're following, follow, we're following these men in their journey of faith, or in their journey from Jerusalem, in a small state of Judah, uh, to to their life in Babylon, a big city. They would have, it would have been a new experience for them being in a big city like Babylon. Everything different from what they knew from what they knew from growing up in Jerusalem. But if you would know a bit of the story before this, what happened before they came to Babylon, I would say their faithfulness started when they were back home itself. Do you remember how we started the book of Daniel? It starts like this saying, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. 
that's how it starts, saying Jehoiakim was given by the Lord into their hands. And that was because he was unfaithful to God. They were following idols. They were following all sorts of weird sacrifices. They were doing it in, in the temple of God in Jerusalem. If I did my math right, um, and if you assume that these guys were in their late teens or young guys when they were exiled, they would have been like 15 or 20, let's say. When they were born, it, the king at that time would have been Jehoiakim's father, Josiah. This, and this is a funny incident that happens uh, during, uh, midway during Josiah's reign in, in Judah. Josiah gives out money to the uh, people keeping, uh, or taking care of the temple and tells them, clean out, clean out prepare the temple of God. And, and they come back, come back to him saying, oh, we have found this book. Uh, and they read it out to him and, and he tears his robes and says, oh, that's the law of God. Where was this all these years? They weren't even bothered to read the law of God and suddenly this comes up from, out of nowhere. And there's a huge reformation, people coming back to God and repenting. And, and it's written, if you're interested in reading, it's the end of the book of Second Kings and Second Chronicles. And it's written, they kept the Passover like it was never kept since the days of David. So we see the nation coming back. This would have been like 20 years before uh, they went into exile. What I wanted to show you was the, the culture they lived in. No one, uh, they were not living in a culture where everyone was faithful to God. The grandfather of this king, Josiah, he set up um, idols in Jerusalem temple. He, he, had, he had cotters built for prostitutes and he sacrificed even his own son. And they lived in this culture where following God was not the norm. And you can imagine when they were young, they would have, um, maybe their families, they were faithful to God and they would have raised them to follow God. They were devoted to God. Even when everyone around them, like some people would have been saying, oh, this is Jerusalem, nothing's going to happen even if, even if we don't follow God. The temple of the Lord is here. He's not going to let it fall to our enemy. So there were people who were sacrificing their children and all sorts of people around them. But can you imagine them staying faithful to their faith, to God, while, while even then they're at Jerusalem? And that is what they, brings to Bab they, they bring to Babylon. And when they offered the king's food, they say, no, we won't defile ourselves. We keep ourselves holy toward, towards our God. So faithfulness, it starts in small things. It starts at home. It starts in Jerusalem. And then even when they find themselves in situations where they don't understand what's going on, Jerusalem is destroyed. They're taken as exiles, as captives. They still carry along with them this faithfulness to their God. And so when they are Babylon, we see them faithful when no one's watching them. They're away from family, from friends. They are by themselves and in, in Babylon, could have been quite confused. Don't know what's happening. Babylon is up. Babylon destroyed Jerusalem. The, the, the temple of their God is destroyed. The city is destroyed. God is no longer worshipped there. Can you imagine their confusion? Daniel's name is, or the meaning of Daniel's name is God is my judge. And they have seen the judgment of their God on them. And 
how weird is that? Your name is, God is my judge. And you just went through that experience of God judging your people because of their unfaithfulness and they being thrown into exile. And maybe their friends in Babylon mocking them. Oh, your name is Daniel. God is my judge. And you're here because your God didn't protect you. He judged you. And they being faithful all, through all that. And now here they are there, the three, three guys in public, um, called to be faithful. It started from their home, and they were private when no, no one was watching, and now they're expected to be faithful even when everyone's watching. And here they are, they are called to worship this golden statue, um, set, set right before their eyes, and they say, no, we don't worship this idol. We worship the God who is not seen, who is, whose temple is back in Jerusalem. Things can be quite similar to us uh, today, where we are, where what is natural or what is the reigning belief in our society is naturalism. What, what do you worship? What do you do is what you see around you. Nothing else can be experienced. Nothing supernatural exists. That that's what the society says, and that's what everyone believes. It's it's. Uh, it's foolish to believe in the supernatural because all that is there in this world is what you see around you. That's what naturalism says. And we are in a similar situation as them where we are expected to bow down to the idols of the age. If anything, that, anything can be said about the faithfulness of these young men, it's that it was a journey and along each step of their journey, they stood faithful, even when things were difficult, when things were confusing, when they, even when they were suffering, their families are suffering. And it's the same for us uh, when we go through uncertain times, when, when we don't know what's happening in our lives. God calls us to be faithful. He, 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 and he, he has given us his promise that nothing beyond what we can we can handle would be allowed in our lives. This is how Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians. These things happened to them as an example, stories in the Old Testament, and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. With each trial or test that comes along in our life, he provides a way out so that we can endure it. He doesn't let us be tested beyond what we can endure. So what happens in these guys' life? Let's see how they endure the test. Let's continue reading in verse 19. The Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them, toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded them, commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. 
So these men, wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames, the fire, killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar left to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed them, harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads sinked. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I would imagine the, the most difficult part for them was before the furnace, till the time they went to the furnace, and once they went in the furnace, things were easy. Uh, um, <laughs> the furnace was made seven times hotter. In Bible, seven is a number used to indicate completeness, and it just means, could just mean that the furnace was heated as much as they could I've done it. We see here Lubbockness jumping up and saying, oh, who's that fourth guy? <laughs> Looks like son of the gods. Well, we should remember he's saying that from his perspective, his, his framework of the Babylonian religion of having many gods and gods being offsprings of other gods and so on. Well, what it could mean is that some, someone or something divine is in the fire with them. It could be an angel. It could be God himself, if you're interested in theology. Some people call it theophany. Or, or it, it could be Jesus himself, but we don't know about that. Whatever the case may be, the fact is God's presence is there through all this, all this situation, uh, what's happening there, and he's with them and going going with it through them, and he's intervening in it. I'm, I'm just amazed how these young men, uh, probably younger than most of us, could have taken such a bold stand um, far away from their families and all the support they had. Even at the cost of their lives, later on the king says, he praises them that they were ready to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other god. There's this beautiful slide that uh, Alad had with all the names of these guys and the, and the meaning. Uh, Daniel is, means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yahweh has shown me grace. And Michelle, who is like our God. And Azariah, Yahweh has helped. When the story begins in Daniel, 
it didn't seem like nothing was applicable, nothing was, nothing held true. God wasn't a God who helped. He wasn't one who was showing gr grace. It was, you couldn't say who is a God like us. Um, but as the story progresses, you see God appearing and revealing who he is. And that's going to be a whole, uh, that's how it's going to be in our lives when we think or we feel God's not close to us, it's not near to us. It might feel so for a period of time, but the truth never changes. God is a God who is a lot of history. He, he not only controls history, he, history is in his hands, but he is the one who has stepped into history. Think of this. Uh, Daniel and his friends, it's nothing surprising that a big empire like Babylon would come against a small state like Judah and destroy it. That's the natural way, that, that's the way things work in this world. The powerful, they subdue the helpless. But then, remember the way Daniel narrates the incident, God gave Jerusalem into the hands of um, Nebuchadnezzar. It was, this, it was this understanding of this that God was in charge of history that helped them through this, um, this difficult time in their lives. If, if God's not active in history, if he does not involve himself in history, then it's pretty meaningless. It's just event after event happening over many years. It's, it's just just that, where's the purpose in history? What's the meaning in history? But he is a God who, as I said, not only has history in his hands, but stepped down in history to be among us. And he's writing the story and he invites us to be part of this story. You remember the, if you remember the letter that uh, Jeremiah sent to the exiles, uh, telling, hey guys, settle down, build gardens, build homes. And towards the end of that letter, um, if you could bring up the next slide, he writes like this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and future. But just before that, the context is, God says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises to bring you back. And Daniel's and his friend's stories of going through this, going through this situation, going through going through the palace, their education, going through fire, later on going through the lion's den. All of this is God's plan. It, it's nothing is out of his plan to bless them and to be with them. All of this is plans, part of his plans to prosper them. So the trials, things that we go through, 
nothing is meaningless everything is part of god's plan to bring us to himself and as as a plan of his good news including us in his story as i said he he himself comes up, comes to us in jesus and he invites us to his story and that story began at the cross with his death on the cross and his resurrection and he invites us to belong to this story where he's making everything new where he has a plan and purpose for the whole of history and also for each one of our histories each one of our stories and he invites us to belong belong to the story and we get to live the story by looking forward to his coming when he comes back to make everything new and we and in each step of our life each step of our of of a story we get to hold his hands and walk walk in faithfulness if you're here today and you don't consider yourself part of this story can i encourage you to consider coming close to jesus and considering the story this message this plan for life that gives you hope and meaning and if you're already part of the story can i encourage you to stand faithful wherever you find yourself today and find your hope and purpose in this story even when things aren't going the way you expected when you're anxious about things that's happening in your lives remember that god goes ahead of us and goes with us as it says in Jeremiah 29 his plans are to prosper as but that means we go through the story and he gets to have the glory in the story by leading us through history and to do, to do that can i encourage you to send your roots deep into the story to root yourself in this story of redemption so that when trials come when testing comes it's not if it's when when they come you stand on a strong foundation like the psalmist says blessed is the one in someone blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the lord who meditates on his law day and night that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers and we are called to the story and as we go to the lord's table can i invite the band up and i would like to read this passage from first peter the same one you read you brought to us verte this morning thanks for sharing that i would like to see how we are grounded in this story of god that he started at the cross when with his resurrection and he's calling to calling us to be part of the story which goes into the future can we stand up as i read this to us it says like this blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead 
that's the beginning of a story in the past and he calls us to something he calls us to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last of in the last time in the future that's where our history is headed he calls us to be faithful in that story in this you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ at the coming at his coming though you have not seen him you love him though you do not see him though you do not now see him you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls as we take communion and as we do it together can i encourage us if you are going through trials testing times let's go through it together we are called to be a family like how shadrach meshach and abednego they went through it together feel free to share it with someone who's sharing how who's taking the bread with you the bread and wine with you pray together or maybe in your small groups what i meant to say is if you're going through trials don't go, to, go don't go alone we go go through it together as family as as people who are together in the story of redemption